Then we get to 21 through 28 where we were last week and we see that Jesus casts out a demon and all we get from Jesus's mouth is be silent, come out of him. And yet we get all kinds of information about this demon being cast out of this man. Now we get to 29 and we pick up here and we read that he is at it again in healing and there are no words quoted from Jesus in this encounter with Peter's mother-in-law. Read with me and starting in verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her and he came and took her by the hand and he lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Not a word, just a touch, a lifting up. And immediately, Mark's favorite word, immediately the fever left her. Well, it goes on in verse 32. And evening, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So again, we see the works of Christ in healing all kinds of people. And many means many. In fact, if you really understood the context here, the whole town of Capernaum is outside of Peter's house. (laughs) Jammed in there and everybody is coming for healing. So we, we have this emphasis still on Jesus' work of healing. Now look in verse 35. Because Jesus is going to set the, the stage for really what his ministry is about. And he clears what his calling is into the minds of Simon at least and the other disciples that are there. Because in verse 35, Jesus is thronged by crowds. And so he rises early in the morning while it is still dark and departed. And he went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Jesus did this much. We'll see other occurrences of this in Mark. And I'll preach on those occurrences later. And Simon Peter, verse 36, and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, key phrase here, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I have come out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And so Jesus here states that his mission, the reason why he came was not primarily to heal. It was to preach. What was he to preach? What he preached in verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus says, that's why I came. And yet, we get miracle after miracle after miracle in Mark's gospel and and almost a de-emphasis on his preaching and an emphasis on his miracles. What are we to do with this? How do we reconcile this? Has Mark misrepresented Jesus' ministry in his gospel? Absolutely not. No way. Do not forget Mark wrote this gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God inspired Mark to write what Mark has written and what we will look at today. So we need to reconcile this and we need to come to an understanding of why such an emphasis on healing. And here it is. These miracles that Jesus performs are 
parables. They're parables. They are many sermons. What Jesus does in the lives of these people, whether it be casting out a demon or healing a leper or bringing sight to the blind, they are sermons. They're not superhuman acts alone. They are very intentional. They are very deep. They are very brief. And they're loaded. They're loaded with information that we must take in and believe and apply. They are designed to preach the gospel to first century witnesses. And 21st century witnesses as well. You and me. These miracles are sermons to us. And this morning we're going to unpack one. Jesus' miracles are not designed to wow us and wow people. Jesus could have healed every single person that he encountered, but he didn't. He didn't. He healed some people. Throngs follow him. They've covered the doorway here at Peter's home. The whole town is out there. If you look at Jesus' ministry throughout Galilee, he's running from city to city. He's crossing the Sea of Galilee in a boat, and the crowds are running around the lake because it's a small lake to get to the other side. They're pursuing him over and over again, following him everywhere because they're saying, I need him to do something for me. The problem is, they don't want the right thing from Jesus most of the time. They needed something more than healing from Jesus. They needed his teaching. They didn't need to be cured of leprosy and blindness and lameness. They, they needed that temporarily, but they needed something far bigger than that. They needed what came out of Jesus' mouth. It's the gospel, and it is the power of God that saves. They needed that and they didn't get it. They didn't embrace his teaching often. In fact, when Jesus actually taught many times, people plugged their ears and ran away saying, this is too hard to hear. Who can handle it? But he spits in some mud and rubs it on some eyes and people see and they're all about that. It's temporary. It's temporary. Jesus, it, it is very clear, chose certain instances in his ministry to heal people. And he had three, as I see it, specific objectives in mind. Real quick, we're, we're not going to camp out here, but three specific objectives in mind. The first one is to teach us something about ourselves. You look at who he healed. He was teaching people something about themselves or the onlookers something about themselves. The second thing he wanted to do is he wanted to teach Everybody that was witnessing this, and we are witnessing it today through the scriptures, he wanted to teach something about himself. So he wanted to teach about us, and he wanted to teach about him. And his third main objective was to teach to bring salvation and the forgiveness of sins. That's why he did these miracles, these parables, these sermons, was to save us. And this is what we're going to see this morning in the text for today's message. Jesus is going to cleanse a man from the most horrifying condition in first century Israel. Leprosy. And in so doing, Jesus preaches a very, very pointed and powerful and applicable sermon that applies to all ages and all conditions. And his actions in this 
text are going to preach as loud as his words do. So I urge you, would you please, would you lean in this morning and watch Jesus preach in this healing of this leper? Would you do it with me this morning? You need what we're going to hear now. So let's look at this. I've got this chopped into two sections. The first section is this. We are going to look at a desperate man of faith. A desperate man of faith is point one. Look in verse 40 with me. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. I want you to have a good understanding of leprosy from the first century Jewish perspective. In Leviticus chapter 13, God inspires Moses to write some very specific instructions about lepers. And starting in verse 45, and only in verse 45 and 46 of Leviticus 13, we read this. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes. And let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Leprosy was the most feared and the most despised disease known to mankind in that day. It was the most feared because it was highly contagious and highly lethal. And it was most despised because it was, it was nasty. The, the victim's flesh rotted and stunk became numb and unusable. It was despised and despicable. Stunk, it looked bad, and it was dysfunctional. And God gives these instructions, and people took these instructions to heart, and they feared leprosy like you can't imagine. Lepers were to identify themselves with clothing, with hair, with gestures with words they're just supposed to call themselves out many lepers would wear bells and ring them so that people were alerted to their presence if they happened to be in the community the lepers were called here in leviticus to dwell outside the camp no one no one was to touch a leper no one it was a death sentence and this man Knowing his condition, no doubt knowing the Old Testament law, probably following the law, ripped clothes, unkempt hair, finger over lip, words coming out, but he finds it in himself to say to Jesus, if you can, you can make me clean. This man is desperate. He knows his desperation, and in this desperate moment, he does, from this text in, in verse 40, he does four things. Number one, he came 
to Jesus. He came to the one who could make him clean. He didn't just know of him. He acted on his knowledge of this one that could cleanse him. And he went before him. That's bold. Bold. Second, he implores Jesus. He asks Jesus. He prays to Jesus. And he has a sense of urgency. And it was intense. That's what that word implored means. Identify with him now. Don't just read these words. He implored Jesus. It's not often that you and I implore people. And when we do, we're desperate. We're desperate. I beg you. Would you do this or would you not do that? Number three, he kneeled before Jesus. He revered Jesus to the fullest. He acknowledged Jesus' sovereignty and Jesus' ability to do what he's going to ask. And number four, he believed in Jesus. He believed. You, You don't go on your knees and implore one that you don't believe in. And his belief is in his statement. If you will, you can heal me. There's certainty. You can do it. But there's uncertainty. If you will. If. Would you be so gracious, Jesus? I know you can do it, but would you do it, please? I'm not certain that you will, but I'm going to ask. I'm going to implore. I'm on my knees. I need you. You're my only hope. Yes, this is a stark moment in this life's man. And I want you to see that this is a parable that is preaching to us right this minute. It is a parable about sin and deliverance from its eternally destructive effects. This is not just about leprosy. This is about you and me. Leprosy is symbolic in this parable. It is a symbol of spiritual decay and spiritual corruption, moral depravity, Leprosy is extremely destructive and debilitating. But I'm going to tell you what. More so is sin. Leprosy will deal with you on a temporary basis. Sin will deal with you on an eternal basis. So as destructive and deplorable as leprosy is, sin is all the more. Death by leprosy was a slow, drawn out process. So is death by sin. So is death by sin. Unrepentant sin will kill you daily over a long period of time should God grant that you breathe for many days. So the application that we need to understand here real quick in this moment of this man's life is, spiritually speaking, you and I are lepers. Every last one of us. Every human ever made, beginning with Adam and Eve, leprous, spiritually speaking. Stinking, rotting, despicable before a holy and righteous and pure and clean God. Our leprosy is spiritual. The sins that we are prone to live in are leprous to us. There's bitterness. There's lust. There's coveting. Deceitfulness, addictions, self-centeredness, 
pride. We could go on and on. You and all, I have one or many of these that I've listed. And we could go on and on. And I need you to hear this morning that we need to look at those as leprosy. They're killing us. And we need a cure. Our sins are rotten, stinking, repulsive words. Rotten, stinking, repulsive thoughts. Rotten, stinking, repulsive acts. These are actions against a pure and holy God. And if they are left untreated, we will die. They will kill us dead. And I'm talking about an eternal death. We must take action. Every one of us. And we must do four things. We must come to Jesus Christ. We must, we must implore Jesus Christ. We must acknowledge Jesus Christ's sovereignty. We must get on our knees before Jesus Christ. And we must just say one thing. There's only one thing to ever say to Jesus Christ as a sinner. If you will, you can make me clean. Have you ever said that to Jesus? Every human being needs to say those words to Jesus Christ. There is not a human exempt from the need to proclaim that, to pray that to Jesus. If you will, Jesus, you can make me clean. I've said it to him. I have. And I've had to say it over and over again because I still live in this flesh. But I said at one significant moment in my life, and I was cleansed forever. Still struggle, I still ask to be cleansed. We had four baptisms two Sundays ago. Those four said to Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. You heard it in their testimonies. So I urge you, if you've never said those words to Jesus Christ, here, here's a day that you're getting introduced to some of the most important words that it could ever roll across your mouth. If you will, Jesus, you can make me clean. So there we have a, a desperate man of faith. Now let's look at the second point of this sermon. And that is that we have a sovereign God of compassion. There's a desperate man of faith, and he goes to the sovereign God of compassion. Verse 41, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Slow down when you read the Bible. Do not burn through verses like this. Jesus mirrors this man's desperate plea. If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I will be clean. What the man asked for in faith, Jesus gave in faithfulness to the letter. Even using his language. Note the heart of our Christ in this verse. Moved with pity. Filled with compassion would be another way to say this. 
This is a God of grace and mercy. This is not some angry tyrant who's angry at everybody that sinned against him. He is angry about sin, but he is a compassionate God who is moved to pity when he sees people acting, speaking, thinking in the ways that he didn't create them to do. And he doesn't, he doesn't strike them with lightning and wipe them off of the face of the earth. No, he's moved with pity. And he says, I want to make you clean. Ask me. Ask me. Relate to me. And I'll make you clean forever and ever. Jesus acts on this compassion in a profound way. He does the unthinkable in first century Israel. He touched a leper. You don't do that in first century Israel. That guy doesn't belong in your presence. And he touches him without hesitation. It's unthought of before this. And if that wasn't enough, he utters something no one has ever uttered. He says, I will, you be clean. No one has such authority to do that. No one but God. This has never happened in the history of history at this point. And this is a true historical account. This is God's word. And the results are astonishing also. The leprosy, Mark's favorite word, immediately left him. Bang! Just like that. This is a sovereign God who in His mercy and compassion exercises His sovereignty to restore a man to what He was made to be. The leprosy left Him immediately after Jesus touched Him. This highly contagious disease was no match for the highly contagious righteousness that comes out of Christ. Are you infected with Christ's righteousness? You need to be. I know you're affected with sin. I am too. We all are there. I know you've got that infection. But are you infected with the righteousness of Jesus Christ? You need it. It is your only hope. I want you to understand that as Jesus has compassion and pity and touches this man, and immediately this man is cleaned. I want you to know that is a picture of this man being saved. His faith healed him. You are called by God to exercise great faith in him and his son, Jesus Christ. And if you utter with your mouth words of faith, if you will, you can make me clean. God will grant that request. There will never be a human being that says with all his heart in true faith, if you will, you can make me clean, that God will say, nah, not you. You're not chosen. That is not the God of the Bible. The fact that you could utter those words would indicate that you're chosen. And God will say, yes. Yes. So many people abuse that theology. So the leprosy immediately leaves him. And I want you to know in application here to us, this is exactly how salvation occurs to all who believe. 
When we utter with words of faith, if you will, you can make me clean, bang, we're clean. If we utter it with a true, genuine heart of faith and belief. It's instantaneous. It doesn't require time. It doesn't require ability on our part. It doesn't require works that we have to go out and do to get clean. When we utter the words of faith, immediately we're cleansed. Because we cannot work our way into cleanliness. He can do it immediately with a touch, with a word, with a glance. And healing can happen. All that is required is faith in Jesus' ability and Jesus' sovereignty. And faith in Christ brings immediate and lasting spiritual cleansing. And when it's authentic, it does not turn and depart. It stays the course. And this awaits every last one of us in earshot of this message. This is right there for you to have if you'll believe So Jesus is preaching here this morning to you. Believe in Him. That's what He's saying. He wants to make you clean. Ask Him. Ask Him to cleanse you from anger, bitterness, deceit, lust, covetousness, gossip, self-centeredness, pride. It's killing you. Ask Him. and He'll make you clean. It's a promise from His Word. And he's demonstrating it here in the life of this leper. Jesus came because of this. This moment with this man. This is why Jesus was born of a virgin. This is why Jesus was baptized. This is why Jesus went out of the wilderness to be tempted and tried by the devil. This is why Jesus hung on a cross. This is why Jesus rose from the dead. This is why Jesus will come again a second time as promised. His purpose was to cleanse people made in God's image. Jesus has ultimately touched every one of us. You know how he did it? He became one of us. He touched fallen mankind by becoming one of us. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He touched us because he came, became one of us. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ touched us when he became one of us and when he died for us. Have you been touched through faith by Jesus? He became like us so that he became a substitute for us. This is unimaginable. You think it's strange that he would touch a leper? I'm going to tell you it's far more strange that God himself would hang himself on a cross and die for us. That's unimaginable. Our maker died for us because we wronged him. This is the heart of Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 10. 45 
10.45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. That is the heart of the Gospel of Mark. And He served this leper. And He wants to serve you by you professing faith in Him and accepting His substitution on the cross in your place. That's the gospel. And Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in me. Jesus is the gospel. So then in verse 43, and we're not going to have time this morning to work through this, but in 43, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. And that's right out of Leviticus uh, 14, chapter 14. We'll look at that next week. But the man went out, verse 45, and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every corner. That is a great setup for what we're going to look at next week. I don't want to preach. I can't wait to preach next week, by the way. It's lowering the man through the roof in in Mark 2, 1 through 12. Can't wait to get there. I'm almost ready. But we're going to stop on this part right there because we're going to see how that builds out and affects what's happening and causes this man to have to be lowered through the roof. And we're going to watch Jesus preach yet again next Sunday through a parable in this man being lowered. And it is a message you must hear. So you come back. Let me conclude with this. I want to speak. I want to apply this passage of Scripture to two people this morning. And there's only two people in the world. There are believers and there are unbelievers. There's no in-betweens. It's an either-or deal. And here's what I want to say to the unbeliever in light of this passage this morning. Perhaps you've encountered Jesus here this morning and not seen this compassion and this sovereignty for all that it is. And maybe you saw that today. Here's what I'd say to you. If you have not realized your desperation for Jesus Christ, you are dying of an incurable disease. It's called sin. You may not feel like you're dying right now, but you're dying. And I'm speaking about eternity. There are people that are living in sin on this earth that seem to be thriving, and you're wondering what in the world, but you have to look at an eternal perspective on these cases. So if you have not come to Jesus in desperation, in reverence, and in belief, you are dying of an incurable disease. It's called sin. There is no cure on this earth for that disease. No cure. No solution. You will not find it in work, pleasure, money, possessions, relationships, you name it. It will not cure you of what ails you. It's a death that's coming your way. The prognosis of your disease is absolute, eternal death. Separation from God with no chance to ever come to him again on your knees and implore him and say to him, if you will, you can make me clean. We are in a window of grace right now where you have the opportunity day in and day out to do that. You have the opportunity this morning 
to do that. When he comes again, that window closes. And you'll be separated from him. And never will you be able to go before him and ask such a question. It will be too late. Your words to Christ this morning. I've prayed for you this week. I don't know your name. I don't know who you are. Only God knows, but you know too. I've prayed this week that because of hearing Jesus' message this morning, you would say, if you will, you can make me clean, Jesus. But I hope I've made you aware of the fact that you need to be cleaned. If you utter these words from the heart with genuine desire and genuine belief, as I said momentarily ago, he will say to you, I will be clean. He will not say no. He will rejoice and gather you up. So I urge you this morning, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, come to him, utter these words from your heart and be cleansed. The other person that's here this morning is the believer. This is not a message for the unbeliever. This is a message for you too. Because when you hear words like this, you, you have realized that you did have spiritual leprosy. You did. You're born with it. You're dirty, you're rotten, stinking before God. And there was a moment in your life where you went before him and you said, if you will, you can make me clean. And he said, be clean. So this morning, as as you hear this, I would urge you to pause. And I think we'll sing in a moment. You can even pause during that. I urge you to pause and worship this Christ that cleansed you to the fullest this morning. Because that's what you're supposed to do. Every time you encounter texts like this, you go, I was that leper. And I uttered those words. And he said that back to me. And I'm cleansed now. And so you keep coming to get more from him. And you keep coming to worship him. And then you start going and telling people about him. So that they might too utter those words and receive that cleansing. So I don't know who you are this morning. You do. If you're the unbeliever, come to Jesus and say these words. If you're the believer, praise him that he responded in kind and said, Be clean. And then let's go tell people about the only cure to the spiritual leprosy that they all have. Let's be people that tell people of this one that can heal. Let's pray.